Welcome to the Midas Touch Podcast, Ben, Brett, and Jordy Micellis fighting for democracy here with you. Even though most podcasters are on vacation, most news are showing reruns. There are no breaks here at the Midas Touch Podcast. Democracy doesn't sleep. We got new episodes. First, you've heard our interview with Anthony Scaramucci, which was incredible. Then last episode, we interviewed Stephanie Winston Walkoff, another incredible show. Hope that you all listened to those two. If you didn't, go back, check those out, share it with a friend. That's how we get the word out about this show. Yeah, check us and- out on YouTube too. Midas Touch YouTube channel. Subscribe to that channel. You could watch all these interviews live. But today, fellas, but today we have on a man that needs no introduction, oh. friend of the show, Michael Cohen will be joining us for a brand new exclusive interview, giving us the inside scoop of what he's doing now that he is, I guess, technically a free man, although you'll see he might refute my framing of him as a free man, but he is able to now leave his apartment complex, which is ironically Trump Tower. Um, he's able to know, uh, is that crazy? Is it, really? is it really? Is that known? Are you allowed to say that? Yeah, of course. He's on house arrest in Trump Tower. How crazy was that? But he's no longer on house arrest. Michael Cohen is out. Um, I know there's a lot on his mind. I know there's a lot of information that he wants out into the public that he wants you to hear, that he wants investigators to hear. And I know he is, that's why he was excited to come on our show. And that's why he's eagerly speaking with investigators about everything that's going on with Donald Trump. And, uh, you know, just excited to hear what he's got going on. I got a lot of questions for him because it seems like he is now just the Renaissance man who is kind of doing a bit of everything. Like he is now the most prolific man. He's writing books, he's doing art, he's doing, I don't know how he even, I was gonna say, I don't know how he has the time. I knew how he had the time before, but now I don't know how he has all this time to do all this stuff, but excited to get into it with Cohen and a Jordy. What's up? Fellow, a fellow New Yorker too. I know you love our New Yorkers on the show. Fellow New Yorker, fellow Long Islander. Once again, we have that connection just right off the bat, just like talking to an old buddy. Um, but Brett, you, you do this thing, man. And it's funny. Now I'm saying it to knock you because you're, you're excellent interviewer, but you find a way to, to always like slightly offend our guests by the framing of your questions to them. You offended Mooch twice. You offended Mooch in the latest interview that we did a few weeks ago and the first time. And I'm pretty sure you offended Michael Cohen in this interview as well. Do you do it on purpose? Yeah. Do you do it on purpose? Well, listen. These aren't softball interviews when guests come on the Midas Touch podcast, all right? They're going to have to get into the hot chair. They're going to have to answer some real ben, questions. Ben, ben, you know let I'm, me ask I'm, you. I'm, I'm, I know I'm what you're right, talking right? about because you, you and me, because you and me look at each other when yes. Brett does it. We always give each other a look like, do you though, do you think through when you ask the questions like that to say things that are kind of like that? Or yeah, well, does it kind of come out a certain way just like, in the in the heat of the moment that it just it just says it like that well sometimes with like the mooch comment which i think you're talking about which is when i said that mooch when i said what are you bernie uh, sanders over here what i made is that the comment the, you're talking in the, about yeah, in the in the latest interview with mooch but then you offended him the first time when you were talking about how when he was the press secretary you're like yeah i was scared of you because you were I, I, you actually were smart <laughs> i remember vividly the day that you replaced john spicer in the press briefing room. And my reaction was, shit, 
This is a guy who could speak, who could actually communicate. He's not a buffoon like Spicer was. And at the time, I thought Trump was evil, as I do now. Um, and I was watching you, and I thought I thought you were scary because I thought you were a very good messenger and very good at what you do. Thankfully for us, you only lasted 11 days in the role, and now you're on the side of good. But I, I just remember being well, no, like, this is a, a smart I, I, listen, this in a way you're. Dude. In the weird way, you're complimenting me, so I'll say thank you. But here's the thing: okay? what, I was, what I was going for with Trump. Yeah, well, <laughs> first off, first off, I don't know why either of those are insults. Second off, secondly, it's also Mooch, Brett's delivery, the way he yeah, delivers it's, them. It's the too. Cadence, yeah. Listen, it's the whole listen, thing. Mooch can take it. What did Mooch say before we even started recording our interview with Mooch? What was the first word out of his mouth? I think he called us morons or something. Mooch doesn't wait till word three to hurl an expletive at you once you get on the Zoom chat. So no, I think before the record, I mean, Mooch was just brutal for the first 30s. I can't even even discuss how brutal he was. For like, 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 you know, those leaked cover, the leaked conversations that led to, you know, his firing and that led to, um, you know, this comments he made about Steve Bannon and stuff that is Mooch before we hit the record button. He's not much cleaner when you start the episode. But by the way, that's Cohen too. <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah, it is. It is. It's a, it is. It's, a, it's a long. It's a Long Island thing. It's a Long, it's a long thing. Island thing. But my point is, Cohen can take it, and other guests. You know, sometimes they say things, and you know, I am happy for them to just be able to have a platform for their opinion, even if I don't agree with their opinion. I'm happy that they're able to get it out. I think we should have diverse points of view here. But sometimes somebody says something that I think needs a little bit of pushback on, and so that's when I, you know, kind of press a little bit at, at certain things that I disagree with, or I think need clarification, or I think someone should have to answer for. I think it's important when I think it's important for us to step in. But, you know, I, that's but overall, you know, I'm I'm happy that we have a, a diverse range of guests from different sides of the political spectrum. I'm happy that we do not support voices on this show who are just blatantly anti-democracy, right. pro-fascism. That is something we will never do. But I do have like having diverse voices amongst people who believe yeah. in democracy and who I believe are what good is, faith yeah, actors no, who absolutely. want to make the you, world you totally, make you the totally country. Totally took a my words place. and and spun them around in, into this whole other thing. But anyway, this interview with Michael Cohen is so good that we're actually, guys, we're gonna split this one up into two parts. So we're gonna do the first half today on Thursday, and then part two you get to listen to on Monday. That's right, a little cliffhanger for the Midas what? Touch podcast. A little cliffhanger. I'm liking it. Well, I'm excited. Let's just get into it. How about that? First, a word from our sponsors, and then the first part of our interview with Michael Cohen. What's up, Midas Mighty? Our next partner has a product that I literally use every single day. So I started taking Athletic Greens because my mornings are just so hectic. There's never enough time in the day. And I always wake up just so exhausted and I have so many things to do. So what I do is I start my day with a scoop of Athletic Greens. It gets me up, it gets me running, it brings clarity. You know, you ever have like a brain fog feeling? I know I often get that brain fog feeling, that inability to really even like think and process information. Athletic Greens really helps me in those moments and provides a lot of clarity that I need to do the work that I do. So what is Athletic Greens anyway? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the 
things. So what thing I love about it also and why I like recommending it to so many people is it's lifestyle friendly. So whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free or gluten free, you can have athletic greens and tons of people take some kind of multivitamin. Well, it's important that you choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb and it costs less than $3 a day. So you're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, which I definitely have to kick. And right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. I know so many people, I used to have like these just packages of these pills to take every single day, but now I know I get all the nutrients I need in one glass of Athletic Greens. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. And all you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash M-E-I-D-A-S to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now back to the Midas Touch podcast. Welcome to the Midas Touch podcast. We're joined by fan favorite, by popular Midas. demand, Ben. Let's popular go, man. Midas mighty favorite. We got Michael Cohen on the special holiday podcast. Cohen, what's up? How you doing there, Ben? You know, listen, it's one o'clock is supposed to be a one o'clock start. Instead, Dookie LaRue over here decides that he's a big shot now, right? Midas Touch doing so great. That all of a sudden they make their guests wait. What are you laughing at, Brett? You look like you just got your head done by Zoolander. <laughs> Mike, all of a sudden, Michael Cohen, a free man, all of a sudden he's just out of just crazy. All it's time to dish. It's time to dish the shit. Listen, I've been ready to first off, stand up. First off, I've got a bone to pick with you, Michael, because Ooh. you're now like a free man, right? You're you're you've served your time. However. I feel like it's a little convenient that you were forced to stay home when the rest of the world was also forced to stay home. So what are you trying to say? It's like my detention isn't really detention. I'm (laughs) trying to say, I feel like, I feel like artificial detention. Yeah. I feel like I was in the same sort of house arrest that you were these past two years. Yeah. How do you respond to that Cohen? You're an idiot. Anyway, (laughs) I'm going to say what your parents said to you your whole life. Shut up, idiot. Go up to your room. Yeah, my, my parents would never say that to me. They love me very much, Michael. <laughs> that's Cohen, not, but in all seriousness. Way, that's not what your brothers say. But I do want to say this <laughs> in all seriousness. Um, number one, it's not the same because you were able to, of course, go out whenever you want. I had these designated times. I had to be home uh, by 9 p.m. at the latest. Uh, twice a week, I was allowed to go out with just my wife. Now I'm spending you know, a lot of time rebuilding my relationships in the community, which is what it's supposed to have been about right. all along. But I am not completely finished. That's actually inaccurate. Not only did Judge Pauly, William H. Pauly III, not only did he decide that I should be uh, incarcerated for three years, because of the president getting his pecker pulled by a porn star. But on top of that, um, I should also get three years of supervised release. So each month I have to, you know, check in with a, and she, by the way, my pro, my probation officer is fantastic to be honest with you. Uh, but it's still an inconvenience. I'll tell you something else that I thought was really interesting. So when I first was indicted or I first pled, I had to surrender my passport. 
Well, I need a passport. So I applied. I paid the expedited fee. 16 weeks later, I still don't have it. It was really only thanks to me contacting um, a congressman's office that I was able to get it. And it finally arrived. So I am now the proud owner of a passport. Congratulations. Thank you. Much thanks. I feel like half a human being again. <laughs> and Cohen, when you left uh, the steps of, of the courthouse, you know, after though, serving the in-home detention portion of it, and now obviously unsupervised release, though, you made some powerful statements, though. You said the fact that I'm, you know, off in home detention doesn't change a thing. I am going to make sure that I hold Donald J. Trump accountable, all of the people in his inner circle accountable, and I offer myself as a witness in any of the pending cases. And so a lot of people are wondering, though, you know, the scales of justice, you know, people are saying it's it's certainly moving very slowly, you know, in the arc towards justice here. What's going on? And do you think Trump's going to be held accountable? So the answer is I still remain silent as it as it relates to the investigation currently ongoing by the district attorney as well as the attorney general's office. However, I will confirm that I have continued to provide them with information, continue to uh, answer certain questions that they have as they continue very actively investigating various different aspects. Now, the big problem that we have is as not just Americans, but the world today is technology. You want to, you know, you don't even have to type out a question anymore. It's more about, hey, Siri, right? And then you end up getting a question immediately answered. I mean, it's a tenth of a second. That's not how justice works, right? Especially not when you're going up against, you know, someone who's insane and somebody who is insanely litigious and is very astute when it comes to slowing down investigations as well as you know doing other things to inhibit investigations. And of course, I'm referring to individual number one, Donald J. Trump. So they want to make sure that it is ironclad, that if they bring, which they will, these indictments, that they will stick. Now, many people, myself included, have stated, you don't need to kill 10 people to be a murderer. You only need to kill one. Right. And I believe, and I said this on the steps of the courthouse, and I've said it to the media, I said on CNN with Allison Camrata, MSNBC with Alex Witt, I believe that they have more than enough to not just invite, indict him, but to indict his children, Rudy, and a whole slew of other, you know, fools that have stayed with Donald, including now Mark Meadows, uh, I believe that there's more than enough to indict in these specific cases. Why they're not doing it quicker? That's not a question I can answer. I don't have the answer to it. January 6th committee, you know, lots of people, same thing, right? They're saying, why is it moving so slowly? But they seem to be doing what I think, where I think Mueller failed. I think Mueller was really intimidated by a lot of the, you know, Trumpers, the mob and, and his investigation and ultimately his conclusion was stifled. Whereas, you know, Liz Cheney, uh, Benny Thompson, you know, we could all say maybe it's going slow, but that is a process. But boy, are they getting some, you know, significant information. And, and with Mark Meadows, and you may have better insight into here just knowing what that inner circle is. 
Is Mark Meadows just a total idiot, though? Because if you're going to go make this executive privilege claim, which is a nonsense claim anyway, why would he be turning over the documents that one serves as a waiver two are bombshell documents that really open up areas that I think we all knew took place, but to see it in text. So what's your reaction to what the January 6th committee is uncovering? Did you guys not see the article where it says Michael Cohen says Mark Meadows is the dumbest asshole on the Hill? Because he is the dumbest asshole. First of all, before we even get to the January 6th texts and emails and so on that somehow got into the hands of the committee, (laughs) <laughs> Why are we forgetting about the fact that this asshole who claims executive privilege, right, that he puts out a book, which automatically, as you guys know, disqualifies you from the privilege. You don't have the ability to talk about it in your book and then not to answer the same questions <laughs> before the committee. That's just not how it works, Mark. I mean, it's time for you to grow the fuck up and understand that Donald, your savior, can save you no more. Now, everything that's happening right now with, you know, the January 6th committee, with these text messages, there's so many things that are puzzling to me that I'm trying to work through. Because, you know, for me, having been around Trump as long as I was and having understood, um, you know, having understood him and now understanding how all of these different actors are involved um, with doing the same sort of stupid shit that I did and others at the Trump organization did for Donald. I somehow scratched my head and I always look a little bit deeper than what's out there and what's provided. So let me just give you a specific, because already, you know, um, what do you call it? Ben is already scratching his head. He's fucking lost. He's like, oh, what the hell is Michael talking about? <laughs> well, here's where you left now, right? You don't even know. You don't even speak English. Anyway, we're, today's Jordy's day. But, let's go. All right, Jordy, Jordy can take over the rest of the show. It's just you guys now. We'll see you later. All right. Ben, let's go. <laughs> but, here's the, but here's the funny thing that doesn't make sense to me. It's the texts that were received. If you notice, it almost makes, you know, you don't know who some of the people are that, of course, are there keeping that secret. But each and every one of them seems to be very anti the January 6th insurrection, the riot at the Capitol. Now, I'm always wondering, are these being planted specifically in order to help those people who may be testifying after Meadows? Is Meadows now being used? as potentially the Michael Cohen 2.0, the sacrificial lamb, you know, the one that said, oh, I'm sorry, there's nothing more that I could do. To me, it sounds just like fucking Ivanka, right? Because she's always apologetic. It's that, you know, hold on, turn the fans on, hair blowing, look to the left, you know, chest out. And so I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Right. There's nothing more I can do. So are you saying you think that sounds kind of uh, it it sounds kind of of fake and like that it was put there to make somebody else look good. That's what you're saying. You think that it's like a little self-serving that down the road. I tried. I tried. Don't come after me. I didn't do anything. Right. I tried to stop it. My dad was out of control. And or Mark Meadows didn't give my father the text messages or the emails or what have you. Everything that goes on in this organization, you have to understand is corrupt, it's dirty, right? It's like a it's like a pigsty, and you have to look a little deeper with all of them 
Meadows included, with Giuliani included, you have the Josh Hawley included. You know, all of these people somehow seem to now have decided that they've now gone too far. Killing the Capitol Police officer, that's where I call the, that's where I'm drawing the line. Trying to break in into the, you know, into stopping the election, that's where I have to draw the line. You know, throwing feces and breaking statutes and, and statues and destroying uh, priceless paintings in our capital, the people's home. Now you've gone too far. Hang my tents. Now it's too far. But 15 minutes before that, they were all up there on podiums sitting there telling people, you know, we're being screwed and we need you to support us. We need you to go and march on the Capitol in your paramilitary gear with your Ziplocs, your baseball bats, your steel pipes and your bear spray. I don't know. Something smells wrong to me. And Cohen, 15 minutes after you talk about 15 minutes before, but 15 minutes after and maybe not 15 minutes after, but maybe a few days after, um, you know, this stress test of democracy. And that's what this Trump administration was. Could our democracy withstand uh, authoritarian like that? Just barely. But I think the lessons that the Fox News is, the Governor Death Santis is, and a lot of these Congress members saw with January 6th is the problem was that it was run by Trump and Trump's an idiot and couldn't pull it off. But perhaps America has this 30%, 35% that doesn't care about democracy. And how could we do a coup that works? You know, and so you see the voter suppression, you know, stuff, you know, you see throughout a myriad of other policies that, you know, the GQP and the Republicans, we call the GQP, want to implement, which just seems to be a continuation of the coup, but kind of wrapped in a kind of intellectualism that Trump didn't possess. And that's something that's scary as we as we move forward, because the wrong lessons were learned by the Republicans. And what's the media doing? Well, they're just continuing to promote the big lie and they're continuing. Even the GOP members of uh, Congress that were there that day, so many of them turned said it was orderly. I mean, they're following Trump's playbook, which is to deny, 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 where Donald even went so far as to foolishly make a statement that it, that there was love in the air. Right. These these people were hugging and kissing the police. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm not sure what you're watching. Look, this is a guy whose favorite movie right, is, um, oh, God, why am I blanking now on the name of his favorite movie? Uh, Cohen, this is your big moment. You're on the Midas Touch podcast and you're fucking it up. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't believe it. The Deliverance. The Deliverance <laughs> is Donald's favorite movie. All right. <laughs> you know, I can't believe that. You know, I I never forget names, especially not in movies. But The Deliverance is Donald's favorite movie. So this is a guy who has his own warped perception of reality. And the fact is, they were not hugging and kissing the police. In fact, they wanted to kill them. And they did. They did injure and kill police. So what? whatever he says, you have to, again, it, you can't even take it as a grain of salt. It's complete and utter bullshit completely stated in order to benefit him and him alone. And then you have stupid, stupid people like Laura Ingram. You know, I had this conversation with David Pakman on his, right? Is it Ingram or Ingraham? I keep hearing people saying, 
We know the answer actually. So, so we had Laura's brother on our show, and he said it's Ingraham. Ingraham, and go. we didn't, and we didn't know that either. But you know, before I the beginning of the show, we said Ingram, 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 and then he came on and he said Ingraham, and then we adjusted for the rest of the show. Well, I feel he also said he had, that she's a Nazi. Way, yeah, also said that the father was a Nazi sympathizer who had a copy of Mein Kampf on their living room table, and oh. it explained a lot of things. I think when we uh, learned about their upbringing. You see, I feel bad because now I've been calling some other person named Laura Ingram a fucking asshole and a jerk off. And instead, Laura Ingraham, if you're watching, which I'm sure you're watching, right? You and Fox suck. All right. You're an absolute fool. Sean Hannity, a guy who I used to call a friend, the same thing that the fact that they could all sit there and that they could continue despite the fact they knew the truth. There are text messages now that have this, that demonstrate they knew what was going on was wrong. It was not a peaceful protest that people were not staying within the stanchions and they continued to promote it. That's fucked up. That's people trying to assist the Fuhrer himself, Donald, in order to overthrow our government and to destroy our democracy. There's no other way to try to understand it. It is what it is. Cohen, when you would speak to Hannity, when you were part of, you know, the, the kind of Trump inner circle back then, would Hannity like talk shit about Trump? Did everybody like, like, did he know that he was just a fucking cartoon character just making a ton of money? Or was he a believer in those ideas? Or would he be like, yeah, that motherfucker's just crazy. Like, how would he talk to you behind the scenes about Trump and about these issues? Like, did he know he was a fraud? Yeah, so Sean never disparaged Donald. Um, he, he just never did. He always wanted to be a participant in the campaign from a distance because, of course, as a journalist, newscaster, whatever you want to call him, right, he didn't want to be seen as being partisan to Donald. In fact, Corey Lewandowski, who's another fucking tool and a half, went ahead and he put a rift between Donald and Sean whereby he claimed that Sean was, in fact, backing Ted Cruz and not Donald, which infuriated Donald that he would be so good to Sean, give him, uh, you know, open access to him uh, in terms of telephone as well as television time, and that secretly Sean was backing Ted Cruz. So Sean calls me up one night and says, this is ridiculous. Corey has me in the penalty box. I can't speak to Donald. Donald is angry at me. I need you to resolve this. And of course I did. I turned around and I told Donald that Corey's full of shit. It's absolutely not true. If you want to hear it from the horse's mouth, let's call Sean. So he goes, get him on the phone. And then, of course, it was a love fest. Quite frankly, it was a love fest, right? They made up one, two, three, and it's been a love fest ever since. So this is the big problem when it comes to, to Trump. He it's what he doesn't care about, Sean. If Sean ended up in prison, he wouldn't send him a dollar to his commissary. It's all about what he can get out of who, what, when, where, and why on any given Monday and twice on Sunday. That's the that's the truth. But my God, I mean, would he send a dollar to anybody? I mean, Sean Hannity, whoever it is. Like at the end of the day, I feel like the guy only cares about himself. Well, you just hit it on. I think I said it at the beginning of your show. Donald <laughs> Trump cares about no one or anything other than himself. Um, I mean, I say I say it all the time, not because I'm trying to disparage Trump. You don't need me to disparage this ignorant, arrogant, orange crusted, bloviated fucknut. You don't need me. 
People are doing that every single day. I'm giving you the emiss, the truth onto this. This is who the man is. He fundamentally cares for no one other than himself. That includes his wives, Melania included. It includes his kids, his grandkids. He doesn't care. It's all about him. He's the single most and only important person on the planet. So, Michael, knowing what you know with Fox News, your relationship with Hannity, do you think there's just an implicit understanding amongst the staff there that whatever's going on in the world, that they have an obligation to counter that with their version of reality? Or is it actually like discussed? Like right now, we got this January 6th thing going on. They're exposing a lot of stuff about our hosts. We should be talking about the Christmas tree instead. Like, how do you think their process works based on just what you know about the network? It's all about money with the Murdochs. It's all about money. In all fairness, I don't know if you watch Succession. Um, It's the same thing. Who doesn't love Succession? It is the Murdochs. It's only about profit. It's only about money. And if Donald Trump, you know, would turn around and say that, you know, Joe Biden, um, you know, was running around the White House butt ass naked. Right. And Fox could make money off of it. They would promote it. It doesn't make a difference, despite the fact that he was with, say, Vladimir Putin at the time. They don't care about facts. They don't. And it's really disgraceful. And what's really worse is that there are people who are glued. And when I say glued to Fox News, it is insane. Speaking to Fox News, you know, fanatics, it's 10 times worse then CNN, MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CBS fanatics, Midas Touch fanatics, Mea Culpa fanatics. There are people that refuse to miss our podcast. However, they're nothing. They're nothing like there are people that will see me on the street and say, you know, I was just listening to you the other day with, you know, whoever the guest might have been. And, you know, I really don't agree with you, but that's okay. We're not supposed to agree all the time, right? And I always say this, Ed Koch had that famous quote, if you agree with me eight out of 12 times, you should, you know, you should vote for me. If you agree with me 12 out of 12 times, you should see a psychiatrist. Now, I didn't make that up. It's funny, right? But I didn't make that up. That's Ed Koch. It's the truth. These people will come to me and say, you know, I didn't really agree with you, but I understand your point. These people, whatever the fuck Fox says, it's, it's fact. It's, it's written, you know, it's written in stone. It doesn't make a difference. And you cannot change their mind. It is the most insane thing that you that you could experience. Talking to a Fox fanatic is just talking to a lunatic. Well, it's like WWE fanatics, but the opponent in the situation is American democracy. And that's who, that's who they're aiming to take down. And they have the same sort of level of passion. And the network is just an entertainment network that's just spouting this anti-democratic bullshit. I love that hey, you brought ben up- Jordan. Hey, Ben and Jordan, is, is Brett not prophetic? My I am, God. I'm profound. I'm, you know, well, I always knew Brett was the most profound brother. That's you know, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm in just this room. I'm Wait, really just when, in like hold, space hold, hold, right now. Let me, let, me, let me jump in here. When we would do Passover Seders growing up and we would all read from the booklet, we would all pick a brother to be. We'd all pick a son. Brett would always be the wise child. We, we need some so context. We, for the, we knew. We need some context wow. for the for the non-Jews on this Christmas Eve. Um, wow. <laughs> there were there were the wise son. There's the there there are multiple sons in the Passover book, right? There's Guess which one I was, my, Michael. You know, I I, I was I, I'll, I'll cut to the chase. I was the simple child every year, every child. fucking year. They made me the simple child. You know what? I guess it fits. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes! Same team right. today. 
it's it's funny you brought up Succession, Mike. Succession's amazing, by the way. Um, and there was a quote that I remember from a few episodes of Succession where Shiv says something like, she says, the thing about us is, you should know this by now. We don't get embarrassed or we don't feel shame. Like they, she's made a comment like that. And I thought that was the most Trumpian and most Fox Newsian sort of statement on the planet. Do you see overlaps of succession and the Trump family as well? I see a lot of like Don Jr. and Kendall Roy. Like I, I think it's sort of an amalgamation of both the Murdochs and like the Trump family. I don't know. What yeah, I mean, what they do is they take personality traits. Like, for example, you have Connor, right? Who is Connor like? Connor's, in all fairness, is like it's like Eric. He's like just the, like the loser weird. son. Yeah, the weird yeah, loser outcast like, son. You know, the guy who's he's there all the time, but you're just not really sure what the fuck he does. You know, and I'll never forget Donald <laughs> one time said, Eric is the most like me when it comes to spatial. And I said, what does that even mean? And he turns around and he goes, well, he has my sort of design, you know, when it comes to, did you see how great he did in, for example, the Doral, the, uh, you know, the, the, the party room. And I said, Mr. Trump, it's a fucking rectangle with a whole bunch of the same chandeliers that you put in every single, you know, location that you have with the identical carpet. But yeah, good job, Eric. You know, (laughs) it's incredible. It's like, you know, you got to find something to pat him on the back. Now, Don is Don is very different. And by the way, he's very much um, like um, like what do you call Kendall, um, where he fights with his father. He's the only one that actually goes toe to toe with his father. I write about it in my book, Disloyal, where, you know, he would actually say shit to his father. Then they would end up having a massive fight. Don almost didn't end up working at the Trump organization. He was tending bars somewhere. I think it was in Colorado. Um, And the father said, either you get back within three weeks time or you're out. It's exactly the same relationship. It is fuck off (laughs) by the way all the time it was it was all the time and mostly to don now what's funny is you all may remember the big lawsuit that the da had brought years ago against don jr and ivanka as it related to at the time trump soho with the lying uh, to the public about the number of units sold puffing as donald liked to call it um i'll never forget when donald turned around said because it was don jr and ivanka if, if it's one of the two that we have to offer up, let it be Don. Ivanka would never be able to handle it. And Don is tough. He could take it. Now, that, of course, you know, having a daughter and a son, I wouldn't offer either of them up. I mean, if you're going to fight because you believe that it's not true, you don't offer somebody up in advance in order to put an end to it. So in essence, he didn't want the legal bills. So he'd rather offer Don up go to prison, right, so that Ivanka doesn't have to and that they could end this whole nonsense. They're all such miserable fucking people. It's crazy. While we're on the subject of the kids, while we're on the subject of the kids, do they not have a direct line to their father? So uh, I was going to ask the same thing. Liz Cheney read, um, read Don Jr.'s text the other day, and the text was to Mark Meadows. Uh, asking if he could get in touch with Donald to call off the January 6th insurrection. What, as Don Jr., as the son of, of the man responsible for everything. The namesake, Jordy, the namesake, Donald J. Trump Jr., right? I mean, the namesake couldn't get in touch with his father. Come on. 
I mean, you know, spare me the bullshit. That's why I said at the beginning of this show that there's something more that's going on here. It's not what you think. And I also think at some point in time, it looks to me like they're almost like they're offering up Mark Meadows, right? He may be the next sacrificial lamb, or it could be, it could even be Don Jr. But something is weird about which text messages everybody in the committee got, which are the ones are still out there. You know, you have to always wonder what's going on with these people because it's nothing, nothing as it seems. Thank you, Michael Cohen. We will be right back after these messages. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Look, for me, Twitter is a cesspool. And day in and day out, my brothers and I get the most disgusting threats. And quite frankly, it could weigh me down, you know, from time to time. So that's why I really like BetterHelp because BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime, send a message to your therapist, You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website, read some of their testimonials. Honestly, they match up with my personal experience with them. The service is just incredible. Visit betterhelp.com slash Midas. That's better H-E-L-P and join over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. That's wild. Special offer for Midas Touch podcast listeners we get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Midas. That's betterhelp.com slash M-E-I-D-A-S. Check it out today. And now back to the show. Welcome back, Michael, Michael Cohen. Cohen. That was an interesting part, place, Brett, to stop the interview. Part um, one. Yeah, part one. That was a, I, hey, why'd you, Brett, as the editor, what was your strategic artistic vision of why to cut the interview at that moment. You always need to leave the people wanting a little bit more. I should, you know, I should have ended it on like a question. I we should have Jordy asked. This is how if I really, you know, wanted to get some listens on the next episode, it should have been Jordy going, Michael Cohen, do you think Donald Trump will go to prison? And then it zooms in on Jordy's face and it zooms in on Cohen's face with some, you know, a swirl of dramatic music. And then it says, find out next time. Oh, okay. Okay. I can get that. But that. I didn't do that. I just ended it at a question I admit. Honestly, I, I could say I made an artistic choice. We were at the middle of the interview. Um, <laughs> there's there's a lot, but there's a lot of great stuff coming up with Cohen, um, which is important that I think is very newsworthy. Um, that I think you guys who love the podcast and love knowing everything that's going on, I think you guys are gonna really like part two of this interview. So be sure to check back on the next episode for the Wait, rest but did of you did you see in the time. first part where you offended him? Which question you offended him on? What did I do now? What did I say now? What did I do again? You called this house arrest not real. 
You told them he had an <laughs> illegitimate house arrest because of COVID. What, what, What's wrong what? with you? Why would you say that to him? Listen, listen, I'm just saying. Oh, he, stop it. Listen, I'm just saying he happened to be on house arrest at the same point where everybody was basically on house arrest. I thought he was going to leave the interview when you said he was pissed. I, 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 and, I, and I started the interview and his excuse was, well, I couldn't, you know, go out with my family. I couldn't go out to this and that or whatever. I didn't do those things. You're not helping your case here. Oh, my goodness. Good thing we already. Yeah, it was, it was like it was one of the most traumatic events that Michael Cohen has gone through. <laughs> He's in house arrest and Brett basically has called it an illegitimate house arrest. But anyway, we'll see what part two holds. We'll see where Brett. takes. How this will I defend of- our guest again on part two? There's only one way to find out Midas Mighty, and that's by listening to part two of the Michael Cohen interview on the next episode of the Midas Touch podcast. Brothers, any final words before we say goodbye to our incredible Midas Mighty listeners? Final word for me. Thank you so much to all of the Midas Mighty for all of your support. This year, 2021 has been a very, very special year. Last episode of the year, fellas. Last episode of the year. Brett, New Year's resolution, go. New Year's resolution, happiness. Wrong. Brett, New Year's resolution, go. New Year's resolution in 2022. I just want to I want to do at least one thing every single day that pushes forward something to do with pro-democracy messaging. So, you know, whether that's making a video or, you know, doing things with Midas Touch, I want it every single day of the year. You do that. You do that already. Wrong. The correct answer is happiness. Shout out to the Midas Midas. Midas.